Well family. Lord, it's 2020, y'all. Come on. Morning. morning. How are we? <laughs> good, good, good. Welcome back to Campbell. They just couldn't get enough of us, right? Or maybe we couldn't get enough of them or something like that. Uh, but it's good to be here with you all this morning. Um, hey, Bob and Martha, thank you uh, so much for your service, for your sacrifice. Uh, man, yeah. Praise God. Yeah. Um, Bob was actually uh, our first uh, other pastor that was on staff with me uh, and just made a ton of sacrifices for the sake of the family. Uh, and so before a lot of us even showed up, I mean, he was here laboring away and his wife, Martha, and their daughter and son. And so I'm um, just really thankful for what you're doing and uh, excited to continue to partner with you and maybe even join you. Uh, if you don't know, we're possibly taking a mission trip there this summer, as Adam said. So uh, excited to be there and to help with what God is doing. Uh, but I won't be there because I'm about to have my fourth kid. So somebody will be there, but I'll see you at some point, all right, in Brazil. So um, how many of y'all already broke your New Year resolution? Raise your hand. There's grace, sister, all right? There's grace, okay? Uh, as Adam said, I had 75. How many of them do you think I've broken already? Y'all ain't got no faith in your boy. Somebody was like seven, dang, all right? Uh, but hey, I'm excited. I ain't gonna tell you how many I broke already. I'm excited for the new year though, uh, because last week what we did was we looked at uh, really reset and kind of step back and think about what the Lord has done in 2019. And our hope is that uh, you got some time to really begin to pray about, man, what does God wanna do in your life in 2020? And the hope, and at least the hope in my heart, is that, uh, man, the Lord Christ, Jesus, was in the midst of some of your plans and that you would begin to think about, man, how does God want to use me in 2020? I think that this series will actually, in a lot of ways, kind of answer some of that question because we're going to be looking at 2 Timothy. And what we've been doing as a church at large is we've been focusing several weeks in a row now really on the send aspect as who we are as a church. We said we want to exalt, disciple, and then send. And so as we've looked at church planting, as we've looked at sending missionaries, our Barcelona team, our church plant, even as we went through Jonah, seeing really the missional aspect of God, we were focusing so much on the send piece, and we will forever focus on that as a church because we believe that's what God has called for us. That's why even today we want to highlight what God is doing at other places in the world. But what 2 Timothy is in a lot of ways is it's a discipleship oriented book. Really, we want to move backwards from sin into disciple and say, how can we as followers of Jesus become not just Christians, but disciples? Y'all tracking with that? Not just people who profess Christ, but people who actually follow Christ, who make sacrifices for Jesus, who walk in light of the gospel. And so if we're going to send well, and if we're going to be sent well as people, then we have to be disciples of Christ in the first place. And so we need to exalt our King Jesus, and we exalt him by being disciples because discipleship exalts the name of Christ. And we also impact the world as we become disciples for the sake of Jesus. And so that's really what we're doing in uh, 2 Timothy at large. And really our hope is that you would see the many ways where God may be calling you to strengthen that relationship with Jesus, therefore exalting him and being ready to be sent for the glory of God. Amen? Man, okay, y'all, look, 
y'all got to talk to me or something, or else this sermon is going to be twice as long. So it's up to you, all right? Make a decision right now. Resolve. Okay, here we go. If you have your Bibles, grab them. Second Timothy is where we'll be. Um, we're going to be there the whole morning, so no, don't feel the need to rush around. Man, we're going to camp out there. Second Timothy chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible, uh, some ushers will be coming forward. If you want to raise your hand, uh, they would love to give you a Bible. Uh, if you uh, physically do not own one, I would encourage you, man, raise your hand. We want you to take and keep that. That's our gift to you. We want you to have the word. If uh, somebody was not kind to you and didn't give you a Bible for Christmas, all right, call up your mama and be like, hey, what's up with this? All right. But uh, that is our gift. We want you to have it. You can also follow along in your smartphone. You have the Version app, type in the well Austin or follow the link on the page. We say this every week because we mean this. We want your eyes on the word. As we go through 2 Timothy, uh, this is the very place where Paul said that all scripture is breathed out by God. It's inspired by God and all of it's profitable. And so what Tori has to say today is not profitable in and of itself if it is not submitted to the reality of scripture. And so as we see the scriptures, we hope that it kind of comes alive. It stirs up your affection for Jesus. Jesus, and that you would really be able to uh, really interact with God in and through the text, not just with the sermon this morning. So I want to encourage you to follow along, okay? Second Timothy, a little bit of context as you're turning there. This is Paul's last letter that he has ever written. In fact, in Second Timothy in chapter 4, what we see with Paul is Paul actually knows that he's about to die. Paul is in Roman prison right now, and he's been sentenced already, and he knows that death is going to come. And so not only is this is the last letter through like happenstance. This is the last letter and Paul knows it. He knows this is the end of his life and he's writing to his main disciple, his protege in the faith, Timothy. Paul probably invested in Timothy probably more than anybody else in his life and really walked with him. Timothy is a young man at the time. He's actually the lead pastor of the church of Ephesus where you get the letter Ephesians. And so Timothy there is the leader. Paul is his mentor and his disciple. And so what you get in this letter is very much a passing the baton or passing of the torch type of letter. Paul is handing off the torch, handing off ministry to his young protege, Timothy. He knows he's about to die and he wants to impart some things to Timothy before he dies. Encourage him to continue in the work of ministry that they started together. Paul's really blessing him and saying, man, go forward in multiplication. Go forward in gospel proclamation go forward and making much of Jesus. Like, like go forward is what Paul is kind of handing to Timothy. Here's the torch, man, run with it. And so we get this all throughout uh, Timothy's letter. And this is a really intimate relationship because, man, Paul's about to die and this is his son in the faith. And so what you get here is a very, very uh, intimate letter from the apostle Paul. Like, like imagine if I hopped up here this morning and was like, hey y'all, just so you know, I'm actually about to die. I only have a month to live all of a sudden, like things that I say would probably be a little bit more direct and a little bit more vision oriented. Man, here's where I wanna go after I pass away. And you would also probably listen a little bit more like keenly to say, man, this is it, right? Like he's about to die. I ain't got no, we're good, all right, by the way, okay? God's grace, I'll be here, okay? But if I said that, like, man, like, like you would be listening a little bit more. 
Also, if I ever am given a month to live, just so y'all know, the sermons are gonna be six times as long, all right? Because if your boy's going to glory, we going out, all of us, all right? And so, uh, just FYI, but Paul's preoccupation here is that of the gospel, and he wants Timothy to walk in the realities of the gospel. In fact, John Stott, who's an Anglican priest and a theologian, he gives the outline of the book like this, as follows. He says, chapter one, it's about guarding the gospel. How do you guard it? How do you protect it? How do you make sure it stays the same? In chapter two, it's really suffer for the gospel. Hey, look, the gospel is gonna cost some things in your life. It's worthy to suffer for. Chapter three says, look, I want you to continue in the gospel. Even though you might suffer for its sake, it is worthy, man. Keep walking in the gospel. And then chapter four, he says, man, go proclaim the gospel. Like as I die, I want you to go forth and to make disciples and to continue this work that we started, Timothy. And so Paul is dying and his preoccupation with Timothy is how to think about, how to protect, how to walk in, how to reorient his life around the gospel of Jesus, Paul's preoccupation is with that of the gospel, even as he's dying. And that is why as a church, we are gospel saturated. We will never graduate from the gospel. We only grow into the gospel deeper and deeper. We are preoccupied with the gospel because that's what the New Testament authors are preoccupied with, family. We want to walk in the midst of that and realize the beauty of the gospel. And that's what Paul is really wanting Timothy as he's passing the torch to to him to walk in today. And so this is a torch passing letter. I think this is perfect for us as a church, as we'll see even throughout the sermon today. What I want to look at particularly today, and we think about the torch passing of Paul, is man, how can we really fan into flames the gift that God has given us? How can we fan into flames kind of our gifts and our calling? How can we kind of take the torch and walk forward in uh, and through the work of the gospel of Jesus? How can you carry out what God has called you to? Or maybe even, how can you even find what he's called you to in the first place? Like, what is God doing in your life? Why are you here this morning? Why are you a follower of Jesus if you are? Or if you're wrestling with Christianity, or maybe you know you're not, like, like why did God create you in the first place? Maybe it's for something that is way more significant than yourself. In fact, I would argue for every single one of us it is, because we serve an eternity uh, changing God and an eternal God, and God's eternal spirit now dwells in everybody who believes. Therefore, God wants you to impact eternity. Let me not get ahead of myself though, okay? Chapter one, uh, verse one is where we're going to pick it up. Are you ready? Look, okay, look, I'm gonna teach twice as long. Y'all better be with me this morning, all right? Second Timothy one. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus, our Lord. We see several things off the jump, which... Quick side point, okay? Every single comma, every punctuation, every sentence structure, every capital letter, every single thing in scripture is valuable because it has been inspired by God, written by the Holy Spirit, and God nor the Holy Spirit, they don't waste their breath. If they say something, then there's value in it. And so even though this looks like a mandatory kind of obligatory like introduction, don't miss the the depth that's actually in here. This was not just written flippantly. No, the Holy Spirit inspired Paul to say very specific things about this. And so don't blaze through as you're reading. Realize, man, God has that there for a reason. We could pull a ton of things out from even this text, but what I wanna look at today is Paul's clear conviction 
that every action, his whole calling, really his purpose in life, all of it was because of Christ Jesus, his Lord, our Lord, that everything that God called him to, uh, that it was literally a call from God. It was by the will of God. You see there in verse one, it was uh, in the promise of Christ Jesus. It was because of God the Father in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Paul understands that his calling and his desired blessing from Timothy, all of that is actually because of God. In other words, Paul didn't call Paul into ministry. God did. Paul did not impart spiritual gifts into his life. God did. When you were created, when God was forming you, you did not go to God and say, man, God, could you make me an awesome athlete? Could you make me an awesome engineer? Like God created you a specific way. Every gift, natural or spiritual that you have is not from you, it's actually from God. And Paul realizes that, that his calling, his very calling in ministry is literally because of God himself. He didn't call himself into apostleship, Jesus did. And so Paul's apostleship was made possible by nobody but God. And therefore, all of our calling in life, we have to realize, is made possible by no one but our gracious God in heaven. That if you are being used by God, it is because God has called you into that. And I want to tell you, if you're a Christian, God has called you into his kingdom to be used for his glory. God wants to use us the same way he uses Paul and Timothy. And so Paul here walked in these gifts and kind of carried out his calling. And I think he wants us to also walk in our gifts and to carry out our calling as well, to fan into flame the very reason why we're here on this earth. And so this is what Paul is kind of highlighting, even in his introduction. I mean, I've been called by God. I'm walking in the midst of that calling. And he's about to call Timothy into action as well. Because, listen, friends, calling and gifting, they come from God. Like, like all the gifts, all the call, like, like that comes from God. You don't produce that. God produces that. And so we have to realize that just as Paul did here, because it creates a humility and yet at the same time, a boldness. There's a humility because you ain't that awesome by yourself, y'all. Okay. But there's also a boldness because if God did it, well then hello, right? Like we can walk in the reality of the most powerful person in all of uh, history, all the universe, the, the all powerful one, the omniscient one, the one who is all knowing, like he's the one that gives us gifting and calling so we can walk in confidence and yet in humility at the exact same time, family. Calling and gifting, it comes from God. Now, we may need to fight to understand how we find that calling or how we find that gifting or what has God actually kind of hardwired me to do. I mean, it's good to fight for that, but we have to realize where it comes from in the first place. And so Paul knew... He was designed by God and he leaned into God's grace and he walked in that calling. If we know we're designed by God, we can actually lean in his grace and walk in that calling as well. And the more we do this, the more we'll actually feel God's pleasure because we'll be doing what we've been created to do. And now God did this not because he needed us, but because he wants to co-labor with us, he wants us to co-labor with him in this work of the ministry. God has called us into something that is way bigger than ourselves because he's called us into himself, family. Like he wants to use us in these really beautiful and, and really divine ways. We get to co-labor with God if we are believers in Jesus. And so as you lean into your gift and calling, you actually are used by God. He begins to expand that. And there's all these eternity changing things that can happen through your individual life, family. Like eternity can be changed through you, okay? Not just Google, 
all right? Not just your startup, not just UT, not just your neighborhood. Like eternity can be changed through the things that God is doing in you because calling and gifting, it comes from God and God changes eternity. God is eternal and he calls us into eternity and he interacts throughout human history to make much of his name and he wants us to be a part of that process. And so we see this as Paul understands this in his life and he wants to call Timothy into that as well. Paul feels that he wants to encourage Timothy in his calling too. Let's keep going, verse three. He says, I thank God whom I serve as did my ancestors with a clear conscience as I remember you constantly in my prayers day and night. Yo, that's a powerful sentence, no cap. Like, first of all, do you pray for your disciples like this? Day and night, Paul says. For the people that I'm discipling, I do not pray for y'all like this, all right? I'm just gonna keep it real with you, okay? Like, my bad, I just ain't that good at prayer, all right? And so uh, I try, but I love you. But Paul here is like committed to prayer and he's wanting to like shower Timothy with this prayer. He's DBU over here covering all his disciples in prayer, right? And so this is challenging, I hope, for us. But the real thinking of that is not only do you cover people that you're pouring into in prayer, but do you have somebody that actually covers you with prayer? Because if you're gonna walk in your gifting and your calling that God has on your life, oftentimes that is nurtured and it flourishes through prayers of others. That as other people are praying for you, God interacts with those prayers and literally nurtures you into where you are being called to go by God's grace. Do you have people that are praying for you? Are you in a CG where the shepherds are actually like caring for you? They love you, they're thinking about you, they're, they're praying for you. Are you covenant members in a church where the elders, they pray and they fast? Are you involved in other believers' lives where they know what's going on? They can lift you up in prayer like, like prayer is so significant to us walking in our calling and gifting. So not only should we be praying for those that God has in our life, but we should be seeking for others to pray for us as well. That's one way that we get nurtured in our life. Amen? Thank you. A little bit better. Here we go. Verse four. As I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. So now we start getting a picture of Timothy here. We see he had this deep relationship with Paul, not just because of the prayer, but we see there's tears that are going on. There's all this intimacy that happened last time Timothy and Paul saw each other. And what we actually see with Timothy is that he really came from a long legacy, a family lineage of faith in a lot of ways. In fact, I believe that Timothy was equipped to be a lead pastor because he was gifted by God, as we'll see in verse six, but he was also nurtured, not just by the apostle Paul, but by his family. And so gifts and calling might come from God, but literally when you find your gift and calling, it gets nurtured by others. There are other people in your life that begin to nurture that gift that you have, that call that you have. They begin to call you up and call you out and call you forward in the faith. And Timothy, he had that in a lot of ways. He was able to fan into flame the gift that he had because his family and his uh, father, Paul, in a lot of ways, was fanning into flame the gift that he had. They were doing it with him and even for him sometimes. Now, this isn't always the case. Not every beast in the faith has 
has these awesome mentors in their life. There's the exception, the rarity, where somebody might have all this gift and calling and not a whole lot of discipleship. But I would argue that anybody who really wants to be used by God, even if they didn't start off with a lot of mentorship and pouring into, because of their passion for God and their desire to see much of his name, they will be hungry to be a learner and they will find discipleship in their life. Like everybody who wants to be used by God will find people to really help nurture that faith lest we think that we can do this eternity-changing kingdom work by ourselves. God doesn't use the, proud, the prideful person. That's a prideful thought. And so he used the people that are humbled, that are nurtured by others. And Timothy, by God's grace, was put in a family and had a life circumstance where he got nurtured. But then even after that, Paul became a father to him and continued to nurture him in his faith, even after he was the lead pastor of a church. He was still being discipled by this apostle. So we need to keep learning, to keep growing, to keep seeking the Lord. Lord, to have people that pour over us. Now, there are several things even within the two passages we just read, okay? First of all, stay-at-home moms, all right, well, really parents in general, uh, never neglect the reality of the significance of your involvement in your child's life. Like, Timothy was a lead pastor because of his mama, Okay? And what she did was pour into him in so many beautiful ways. Timothy's mother, his grandmother, they were faithful. And now Timothy is equipped with the scriptures and he's able to be a father to many others because he got mothered well by his mother and his grandmother. Timothy was faithful in the call that God had, walking out his calling as a pastor because of his mom and his grandma in a lot of ways. And so a lot of times I think we can get tricked when we start thinking about our calling and the gifts that we have. And we wanna do these awesome, grandiose, major things for God, not realizing that oftentimes God uses us most when we are faithful where we already are. Like because Lois and Eunice were faithful, now Timothy is able to literally mentor and lead this awesome church in the first century. And so if we miss being faithful where God has us, we might actually miss what God is wanting to do to begin to change eternity through us. That's true for the family, the stay-at-home mom, really wherever you might be, right? Y'all with me? My, 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 I better get a couple motherly witnesses up in here, all right? Like, man, this is important, right? Disciples, they impact the world for the glory of God. And listen, family, faithfulness is what changes eternities. You see, the mother was faithful. The grandmother was faithful. Now eternities are being changed. In fact, you may be sitting in this very seat because Timothy was faithful as his calling as a pastor, but it did not start with Timothy's faithfulness. It started with Lois's faithfulness. You might be here this morning because Lois was a faithful grandmother to her family, and now we are worshiping Jesus because of her faithfulness. You see, her faithfulness changed eternity. Everything that we do in the kingdom of God, it is significant, family. Like it doesn't matter what your role is, it matters how you're faithful in the roles that God has you in. Come on now. It matters, right? That we walk in the calling God have and that has for us. We keep uh, being faithful where God has us. So Timothy has this. Mom, dad, your, your sacrificial investment in the long-term future of the kingdom work of your children, it multiplies, it matters. It matters. You need to know that. And I know it ain't always sexy, all right? Like you sit down, try to read the Bible with them. All of a sudden, it looks like all your kids get hit with demon possession at the same time. I know, all right? That's what happens in my life, right? We're like, hey, do you wanna read the Bible? Like, ah, all right? It's like, you were just calm for the last hour, right? And so I get it, it's hard, okay? I ain't saying it's easy, but as you're faithful long-term, man, it pays dividends. 
Like, do you think that Timothy as a six-year-old, when his mother was like, would you like to read Leviticus? He was like, yeah, right? No, he's a human. Just because he's in the Bible don't mean he's different than us, right? Like he probably didn't want that, but their faithfulness long-term nurtured Timothy to be able to be the pastor that he was that day. Your faithfulness, it matters. Your faithfulness to your family, to your coworkers, to your friends, to your university, to your work, wherever you might be, it might feel small. It ain't small, y'all, because God doesn't do small things. He's big. We serve a big God, and he wants to use you in big ways. So, man, mothers, I want you to hear this. Your investment is crucial, okay? Don't feel insignificant because you ain't got some stage or platform. You don't need it in the kingdom. And one day God will give you a stage and platform when he honors you before all. And so we see the reality right here. Man, small faithfulness makes these massive things. Also, a total other note, man, what a beautiful cultural shift that we see here, even in this section. You see, at the time, women were not valued, particularly spiritually speaking. They were never really honored or valued. And, and look, Paul was Timothy's spiritual father in a lot of ways. He could have honored himself, but instead, he honored the people that actually laid the foundation for Timothy's life. He honored the women in the family. And so Paul is kind of shifting the culture in a lot of ways to show us, look, it doesn't matter your gender, your ethnicity, your socioeconomic status. If you are faithful to God and to the scriptures and you submit to them and you're faithful to the call that God has in your life, man, then God will use you in beautiful ways. You are significant no matter where you might've come from. God wants to use you. Like the kids we saw in Crackalangia, like, like God wants to use them and he just did because somebody gave a gift and has no idea that many of us got moved by his sacrificial act of giving. He'll probably never even see that reward until Gigi goes to heaven and spends eternity with Jesus that he just moved your heart this morning because of his faithfulness. You see, God wants to move and let us be faithful where we are. God does these beautiful things. Anyone can do this gospel work as long as we are faithful. Your value doesn't come in your position. It comes in your faithfulness, family. Well, come on, somebody, right? <laughs> right, we gotta believe this. Is that internal? Like, can you capture that and walk in the reality of that? And so the moms of the faith, y'all, like they're usually the ones that are killing it. Like ask Monica, right? St. Augustine's mom, or ask Susanna Wesley, or ask Elizabeth Elliot, or the many others who maybe they, the people did not have fathers in their life because they abandoned them or they died. And yet the moms were the ones that were carrying out the faith and they may be the reason you're sitting here today. And so what you do for the kingdom, it multiplies in the kingdom, right? Even in my own life, I see that. Like my granny was the only believer throughout my whole entire family, okay? She was by herself, only Christian when I was born. And now, through my granny's faithfulness, she's never had a stage to preach on, right? She's never been invited to go speak somewhere in front of thousands of people, whatever it might be. But because of her faithfulness, my dad loves Jesus, knows him. My stepmother loves Jesus, knows him. My two sisters, they both know Jesus, love him. My mom came to faith. Her husband came to faith. My two brothers came to faith. My grandmother came to faith. I came to faith, all because of the faithfulness of one woman sharing the gospel with her family. In fact, the reason that you're hearing the gospel from my mouth today is because of my granny's faithfulness. Your faithfulness, it changes eternity, family. Don't always look for the big, big stage. Be faithful where you are and God can use you in very beautiful ways. And so Timothy, it was nurtured by his grandmother, by his mother, by the apostle Paul. Timothy probably sought it and walked in it. And now he's getting to literally labor away for the gospel and the way that he was created for to be a 
lead pastor of a church. And so Paul sees these gifts. The mother, the grandmother, they nurture these gifts. And now Paul's about to give Timothy the heart of the whole letter. This is really the, the thrust of all of what Paul is wanting Timothy to hear is here in these last two verses. The last two verses we'll look at this morning. It says this in verse six. It says, for this reason, because you're called, because you've been nurtured, because you've walked in this, all of this, right? I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Now the idea of laying on on hands there, it carries with it this theme that we saw in the Old Testament beginning in Genesis. The father of the generation would lay hands on the son and kind of carry out the mission. So we see Abraham laying hands on Isaac, Isaac, Jacob, Jacob, his 12 sons, etc. And what happened there in the laying on of the hands is that sometimes they just received vision from this. Like they spoke vision over their kids and really they passed the torch to their kids and said, man, now you carry out this mission that God has given us you be faithful. So sometimes there was a confirmation. Sometimes there was a literal blessing that came upon the laying on of the hands, that they had these gifts administered, as we'll see even at the end of our gathering, 1 Timothy 4, it says that Timothy got it through the prophecy, through the laying on the hands of the elders. That's how he had the gifts he had. And so sometimes literally there's this imparting of this spiritual gift. And so there's this beautiful kind of mysterious and yet powerful moment where Timothy is being blessed by the generation of above him to carry out the gospel and to continue it in his generation as well. In fact, I believe that so many young people are looking for blessing because they've never been blessed by the generation above them. And so they begin to look for blessing by the things that they're doing and they can never find it through their peers because their peers can't really affirm the gift or the calling the way that the generation above can. And so we get stuck trying to prove ourselves in a lot of ways. And really what we're needing is blessing for somebody to look at us and say, I believe in you. You do have gifts. God has called you. Man, walk walk out in this. We need this in a lot of ways. We need the reality of that. Like for somebody to see our value. I remember very, very clearly when uh, my mentor, somebody who I love more than almost anybody on earth, uh, he had been discipling me for many years. In fact, longer than any other uh, discipler had in my life. His name's Bob Christensen. And I remember when Bob uh, started coming to the well. And at first, to be honest with you, I kind of thought that it was so that he can like disciple me more personally. He can hear my sermon and like rebuke me for it. All right. And so I was like, yeah, it's cool. Like, I want that. Okay. And I'm sure that was a big piece of it. But I remember we were sitting in Central Market for a lunch and there was somebody that came up and they met Bob and uh, I didn't know who this person was. And Bob said to this also older gentleman, Paul, or uh, Bob is a generation above me as well, uh, that he said, hey, uh, I want you to meet Tori, my lead pastor. And I remember feeling this sense of like, what? <laughs> Right, like, like you're my man. I, I, like, I guess I'm a pastor, but like, I'm not. And I had this like awkward moment of like, I didn't know what to do, right? And I went home and I thought about it and I realized, man, he really affirmed me in a lot of ways to say like, hey, like, yeah, yeah, I'm his mentor for sure, but I'm also willing to kind of submit under his pastoral leadership and be cared for by him. And I believe in him and I want him to go forward. And it gave me this confidence that I didn't realize I was looking for, that the generation above me blessed me forward with the gospel. This is why we need to strive to be a diverse church, not just ethnically, but also generationally, family. 
Like we need the people above us, discipling us, giving us their experience, their life skills, literally laying hands on us and blessing us and saying, I believe in you. Like, like older saints of God, we need you, okay? Like, like, like we need your experience. Listen, Proverbs, it says that like age is a gift from God. Don't neglect it, use it. Like we want you, invite more of you. <laughs> Okay, like I get that we're like a young church, okay? But I'm telling you, you have a place here. We need your prayers. We need your wisdom. We need you sometimes just to say, just stay faithful, sister. Just stay faithful, brother. Like, like we need you in every sense of the way. Just because you can't understand it when I say something like, don't worry, I'm gonna be a plug on this one, all right? This free game for y'all, all right? That's all right, all right? Like half the people that grew up in the suburbs don't understand that sentence either, okay? And so you good, you got people here, all right? But listen, like we need you, like for real. We need you to be pouring into us and to love us and to nurture us and so uh, to bless us. Man, we see that Timothy had this in, in his life. There's something powerful about the generation above blessing the generation below. What we also see though is not just that Timothy got affirmed by others and blessed by others, but Paul is now telling him, because you have all this in your life, this calling and gifting that comes from God, this nurturing that came from others, this confirmation and blessing that was poured out upon you, now Timothy, I want you to begin to walk forward in light of the gospel. Like Paul's the older man, he's about to die, and he's saying, it's time to go brother, right? Like, like let's get this. Let's charge forward. Let's carry out the mission. Like you got this fam, let's go, okay? And Paul is kind of giving him the torch in a lot of ways and, and handing it to him. Run this race, fulfill your call. You'll kill it, Timothy, you can do it. That's what Paul is saying. And so gifts might come from God, nurturing might come from others, but you activate your gifts by being faithful yourself. Like you gotta walk in the calling, you gotta fan into flame, you gotta take the torch and begin to run with it. You have to walk out the gifts that God has in your life, amen? You have to realize it and then begin to walk in it. Paul says, look young player, it's time to do work. Young king, let's go, right? Hey, well family, let's go, like let's go. You realize each of us, if you have the Holy Spirit of God dwelling inside of you, you have gifts that can impact eternity. And I really believe that, listen, oftentimes this book is preached as a torch passing letter. And it is, Paul is passing the torch. But think about who it's written to. It's not written to Paul, it's written to Timothy. And so really this is not as much of a torch passing letter as much as it is a torch receiving letter that Timothy as a young pastor takes the torch and begins to run forward for the sake of the gospel, making much of the name of Jesus. Timothy, this young pastor is being called to continue the work of mission, continue the work of church planting, continue the work of making disciples. Go forward, Timothy, you got this is what he's saying. And that's why I think this is actually really pivotal for us as a church, because I don't wanna preach this as a torch passing letter, but rather a torch receiving letter because we are a young church, just like Timothy was a young pastor. And I think that God is wanting to pass the torch to us in a lot of ways and say, go forward for the sake of the gospel, the well Austin. See, here's why I believe that. 
throughout the city or the history of Austin at large, what we've seen is that really uh, in the actual city, man, the gospel work has always seemed to kind of stagnate in a lot of ways. In the suburbs, the gospel may have been taken off in really beautiful and powerful and awesome ways, but in the city, like it seemed to always kind of grow stale. And so there always seemed to be kind of one church that was like carrying it forward for the sake of the gospel. And so you had Hyde Park for a while or Evie Free or Austin stone even right now killing it for the gospel but it always seems like there's only one church that's actually in the heart of the city that's doing these beautiful things for the sake of the gospel and here's what I genuinely believe I believe that God is doing such a beautiful work in our city and beginning to stir up an affection where he does not want just one church to kind of carry the spiritual mantle but rather God wants his name to be famous here in Austin and wants to use a bunch of churches and ministries and people to begin to make much of his name and I believe that the well Austin is one of those churches. I believe that he wants to use us in this very beautiful way to make much of Jesus. I look and I see the CG shepherds that are in our church and I'm like, yo, these people, they kill it, right? Like a lot of churches, they would long to have them and we have a ton of them that are killing it for the sake of the gospel. I think God wants to use us to carry the spiritual torch for Austin to push back darkness here in this city. I believe he wants to use you, family, in these beautiful ways. I look at our team leads. I look at our staff team and our elders, our potential elders. I, I look at our covenant members. I look at our college students. I say, we can impact UT if we're faithful to what God has called us to. Like we can carry this torch. We can receive it and run with it in these beautiful ways. In fact, I'll see y'all in a minute. <laughs> I want to give an illustration for us for us to remember to carry the torch. Y'all scared? Fire code, look at y'all. Y'all finna get wet, okay? Here's what I believe. I believe that God wants us to carry the torch for Austin. I believe he wants us to take this and to run with it and to push back darkness that in a lot of ways, the torch is being passed to us and God is saying, are you going to be faithful to take this and to run with it? Are you gonna be faithful to light up this city for the sake of the gospel to make much of our King Jesus? I think he's asking, hey, who's gonna take the torch? And I'm saying, I wanna take the torch and run with it. Like who's gonna take the torch, right? Like actually I want Scott to come take this torch for me because it's hot in the mug out here, okay? Thank you, dog. Right? Look, look at Scott. Faithful, obedient, taking the torch, not letting the sprinklers get lit off. I say all that, right? And just as Scott carried that torch out of this door, I want us to carry the torch that God has put inside of us out of this door and make much of Jesus. And I want us to literally take the light of the gospel that God is putting inside of you. Listen, God is light. Like you think about God himself, he exists in eternal light. In fact, in heaven, there will be no more sun, no more new, new moon, no more stars, because God himself will be our light, it says. And if the God is light, and if he has saved you, then he has put his light inside of you. You have that torch, not able to be snuffed out by the world because it's inside of you sealed. He wants to use you family man praise God right look y'all I ain't trying to gas you up right now that's not what I'm doing okay like I believe I believe just as he has called Timothy to go forward with the gospel I believe he wants to call us as a church to go forward with the gospel like I know we're a young church God don't care about age in the kingdom. He cares about faithfulness. That's what we just said. He doesn't care your gender, your ethnicity, man. He wants to make much of his name through you, family. 
And he wants to do that for the sake of his glory because Jesus is worthy. So what that we're a young church? Timothy was a young pastor and Timothy's faithfulness may be the reason you're sitting here worshiping today. And so I want our faithfulness to be the reason why there are worshipers in Sao Paulo, Brazil. Or if the, the Lord tarries and doesn't come, then 2000 years from now, I want believers in Kazakhstan to be raising their hands and worshiping because of your faithfulness today. The light of Christ dwells inside of you and you can walk in faithfulness, family of God. This is what we see in Timothy. So do you believe that? Like, like how do you find this gift? You begin to be faithful where you are. You begin to walk in the reality of what God has already called you into. Listen, in the kingdom of God, there are sacrifices. Yes, we'll talk about that even next week. We suffer for the sake of the gospel. It ain't all happy, as Bob said, but it is joy everlasting as you see eternity unfolding and changing before you. You were made for a greater purpose than working at Dell, y'all. You were made to impact eternity. And when you're faithful as a mom, discipling your kids, when you're faithful, serving in these tiny ways. I know it doesn't look like a whole lot, but y'all, as we build and build together, like think of what we've corporately got to be a part of even this last year. A team of six in Barcelona, seeing people come to faith who have never heard the name of Jesus. A church plant in Southeast Austin, another church planter on the way, and on and on and on we can go. There's been so much through us corporately, and I believe if you look back, you'll realize there's actually probably been a lot through you individually as well, and God wants to do more. When you're faithful, he wants you to activate your faith, y'all, and fan into flame that gift that God has. In other words, don't leave it stagnant. Man, blow in that joint, right? Blow and make it be bigger and bigger. And as we begin to fan into flame ourselves, and when we do that for others, man, the fire is gonna interact with us and it will grow and grow and grow. And darkness will be pushed back in this city and Jesus will be glorified. I believe he wants to do that, family. I believe he's calling you to do that individually. And here's how I know the reality of that. You see, oftentimes we think, well, how do I figure it out? Or, or give me some new like, like way to understand my gift. But Paul doesn't do that for Timothy. Go to the last slide there, the remembering slide. There's four times in the course of this letter where Paul uses the word remember or reminded just in the first couple of verses. In other words, he's saying, you don't need something new from me, Timothy. You don't need this new revelation, this, this new encouragement, this new reminder, this, this new charged up message. All you have to do is remember the work that God has already done. Just remember the gospel. And as we remember the gospel, I think it actually catapults us towards faithfulness too. You see, the reason you have the light of Christ shining inside of your heart is because the light of Christ was actually snuffed out on the cross. You see, the light of the world, as he hung there and bled and died, literally the whole world got black, it says. And the, the sun stopped shining and chaos begins to ensue and the light of life dies. It gets snuffed out. The Lord gives up his spirit, it says. Why? So that you and I, who not only should not be able to have a relationship with God, but we for sure should not be able to be used by God to be able to impact eternity. Man, Jesus died not just to save you, not just to bring you into intimacy with him. He literally died so that he can bring you into co-laboring with him as well, that you can begin to be used for the very reason you were created for, family. 
God, he died that he might call you in to go labor with him. And as the light of Christ got snuffed out, man, all of a sudden at the resurrection, that light began to shine again. And because it got snuffed out, the way ours should be snuffed out forever, now we believe we will never be snuffed out, but the light of Christ is sealed inside of us. And now we can go forward with the same spirit of Jesus living inside of us to make much of his name. This is what God wants to do. He wants to do it through you, through us. I kind of want to see this letter and say, yo, let's take this dang torch and run with it. Let's run with it for the sake of the gospel because our king is worthy. God made you to make an eternity impact, family. Would you be faithful in the little ways that he's given you right now in your family, in your job, in your serving team, whatever, the little ways. And I believe that God will keep growing that and you'll see the kingdom change because of your hands. God wants to use you. He wants to use us. Yo, let's take this torch and run with it, family. Let's be faithful. If we are a part of something that changes eternity, even if just for a moment corporately, man, I wanna run hard with that. And so let us run and carry the torch, amen? Hey, I love you guys. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you. Thank you for allowing us, I believe, to begin to grab the torch. And God, for those of us who have professed faith in you, I pray that you would allow us to literally carry the torch to take the gifts that you have given us, the calling that you have in and over our lives, and that we would run forward for the sake of the gospel. Would you use us, Father, to make much of your beautiful name? Let us walk with you, for you, in you. God, for those who, man, may be in here this morning, they may not know you, Savior, as God, as Lord. They might be following you as a Christian. I pray that even today they would realize their lives are worth so much more than these 80 years. Friends, that you were created for eternity and to change eternity. And as Jesus died on the cross, he made a way for us to be made right with God, to live forever. He died so that we wouldn't have to die, so that we can live And not only are we right with God, he wants to use you right now. So I pray even for those who are wrestling with me and why am I here? Is this God real? That you would speak to their hearts even right now. That you're real, you love them. Maybe this is the sole reason that you woke them up on January 5th, 2020. They would begin to follow you as king. Christ, thank you for calling us who follow you as king. I pray that we would actually follow you and use the gifts you've given us, use the calling that you've given us, just be faithful in whatever area we are in our lives and that we would really impact eternity through our faithfulness. Thank you for letting us be a part of that, Jesus. Pray this in your very beautiful name. Amen.